0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. My time in college was one of the most transformative times in my life. And, uh, and I actually, the first time I got to talk to my wife was because some old ball guy from my church offered to pay for my meal. Um, so you could change somebody's life today if you buy a college student a meal. That did happen to be my, my wife's dad. Laughter um, Nonetheless, you could change somebody's life today by buying them a meal. Um, So if you're a university student, in all seriousness, we are grateful that you are here with us. Um, We're thankful that you've come to be part of Temple Bible Church and see what we have going on here. Um, as, As you saw, our senior pastor for 38 years just went to be with the Lord and he led us through a transition. And so, if you're new here, uh, what you're going to see here is a team that teaches. You saw Pastor Tim last week, and he brought us the Word and pointed to this reality that Jesus is a greater and better high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, and that He is who we need and what we need. And it was this wonderful time in the Word. Today, we're going to look in the Word. If you've got your Bibles or your apps, we are going to turn some pages. So, look with me. We'll be hearing from Pastor Dave soon. And as we do, what we're going to do is bring the Word. We're going to look in the Bible. Bible is and always will be the middle name of this church. And so when we're in here, we're going to teach the Bible. When we're in small groups, we're going to teach the Bible. When we're in Sunday school classes, we're going to teach the Bible. And when we go to the nations, we're going to teach the Bible. Because we believe that this word is what God uses by the power of his Holy Spirit to change hearts and lives. So stay with us and follow along. We're in Genesis chapter 15 and we're answering the questions today. Can Abram trust God? We're going to find out in Genesis 15. will Abram actually believe God? And then do we have a God who is powerful enough and loving enough to be trusted? So let's read in Genesis 15. We'll read the first few verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, one of his servants. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. What are you going to give me if I don't have a son, if I don't have an heir? What can you give me? This is really what I long for. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, your very own son, or literally, that which comes from your loins shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. So God, teach us today from your word as we look together Help us to see, Father, that you're a God who is strong enough and loving enough to be trusted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See, Abram wants to know, and God just gives him truth. The truth is what God speaks. It's believable because it comes from the Word of God. And so the Word of the Lord comes to Abram. The first thing he says is, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield and I'm your very great reward. You don't have to be afraid, Abram. Often we look at that and we go, well, why would you be afraid in the presence of God? But when people in Scripture encounter God, they are always afraid. One of the most repeated phrases is, don't be afraid because God is glorious, He's holy, He's beautiful. But He says to Abram, You're mine and I'm yours. He's called him out. He's planted these seeds of faith in him. And he said, go from a land that I'll, to the land that I'll show you. And Abram wants to know, but instead God tells him to believe. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? And he's going to use the language of covenant that we'll see in just a bit. He says, fear not because I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. Remember, Abram, when you were in Egypt, when you tried to take things according to your own plans, and you tried to tell Pharaoh that your wife was your sister, real bad idea, I protected you. When the kings of the east came against you and against Lot, Genesis 14, I protected you. Abram, I'm your shield. I'm your protector. And then, I am your very great reward. Some translations say, and your reward will be very great. But in Hebrew, it is. I am your very great reward. And that's an important point that we don't want to miss. Look over in Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews eleven six says, if anyone comes to God, he must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's the rewarder of those who seek him. Now, here's a verse that people take and they go, see, if you come to God, you'll always be healthy, you'll always be wealthy, things will go just as you want, but that's not the story of Scripture. That wasn't Paul's story when he was in prison after prison. That's not the story of those who say, through many tribulations, we'll enter the kingdom of God. God is the rewarder of those who seek him, but he's the reward. He's the goal. I'm your shield and I am your great reward. This is the goal that you get to know me, Abram. Do not fear. I'll be your shield and I'll be your very great reward. But Abram can't see it. Hey God, maker of heaven and earth, one who delivered me from Pharaoh, did you forget? You told me I'm going to be the father of many nations. And so Abram says... But what will you give me? I'm childless. I don't understand how this is going to work. If my servant's my heir, what would have happened is this servant would have been his heir and then that servant's family would have carried on all the land, all the wealth. And he said, I'll be cut off. I won't be the father of many nations. And then God, God reminds him. No, this man will not be your heir, your very own son. My promise is going to be true. Then he says, look toward heaven. Because this is not about this one heir, Isaac, who's coming. This is about this other heir, this offspring way down the line, Jesus, through whom you will be the father of many nations. If you can count the stars in the sky." So shall your offspring be. Abram is going to be Abraham, the father of many nations, the father of the faithful, and through faith in Christ Jesus, our father. We are his sons. So something happens when God tells him this. Something happens, and what happens is Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. He believes God, and he counts it to him as righteousness. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Abram believes God. God's told him, you go, you step out, you go, and Abram goes because when God speaks, God speaks, you listen, you obey and here's what's crazy though, Abram doubts and he questions and he wonders and over and over and over, he goes, but God, how am I going to know? And God says, believe. And he says, how am I going to know? And I got to be honest, when I read this, I think you're hearing the voice of God. Why don't you just believe, right? Are there times in life when something's going on, you don't understand and you just think, I wish I could hear a voice from God. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm like that. If, if I could hear a voice from God, I'd, I'd have as much faith as an Aggie on the 1st of September. But listen. I'm, how did, I meant that nice, right? So listen. Abram gets the voice. Abram wants a book. If Abram could speak to us, he'd go, no, 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 give me the book. See, we have the prophetic word made more sure. And so Abram doubts just like we would doubt. But then he believes God and God credits it, credits it to him as righteousness. Our, when I was reading this about his belief, it's hard. What happened? God puts something in him that, that flips, we, we put our young children in something called ISR, swimming lessons, and it's these swimming lessons where for about four weeks in the summer, five days a week, for ten minutes, you give your child to a lady at this pool, and she takes them in the pool and basically just shoves them back in the water and watches them go down. And she pulls them up, and they're just, ah! just screaming. And it is, as a parent, the most horrible thing in the world to watch because your kids are just screaming, and she just pats them on the back, calms them down, pushes them back out, and she's teaching them how to swim, and then she'll teach them how to rest, but kids hate it. They are fighting and clawing. Moms and dads taking them to the water, and they're on that leg, and I mean, there's blood It's just horrible, and so then you're there watching with your kid and going, I'm not sure why they're crying. This is going to be great, right? Wonderful. Kids hate it, but they learn how to swim. Well, our, our son, Mike, who's now five, when he was about 18 months, he's in this ISR, And he's just hating it, hating it, hating it. And about halfway through week three, I'm doing the same thing over and over every day. It's going to be okay, buddy. You're going to be fine. You're going to learn how to swim. And one day I said, hey, buddy, you're going to be okay. You're going to be safe. One day he looked up at me and he dried his tears and he smiled and he just ran to the pool and cannonballed on this lady. She goes, oh, no. No. What's wrong? I'm loving this, right? No more crying. I got the best kid here. He's the only one not screaming. We won, right? And she goes, oh, they just want to play. He trusts you now. He knows he's going to be safe. And this is going to be awful for me. But see, he, he believed his father. I'm listening to what my dad says, and I'm going to trust him. And Abram believes God, and it's credited to him as righteousness, Listen, this is a real important point in this day and age. Not everybody believes. Not everybody is made righteous. That's not the story this tells. It's only through trusting God and what he is going to do in Christ. We'll actually start in Romans 3. Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were made for the glory of God. We fall fall short of the glory of God. We're separated from God because of our our sin and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the one, verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, a sin-covering, a sin-cleansing. Why? It's to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, because he knew in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins, he let sinners like Abram, through faith in the Messiah that would come, be saved. He had to vindicate his righteousness. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of everybody, no matter what they believe. No. But the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And it's through faith. Chapter 4, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? And then Paul quotes Genesis 15:6. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 9, is the blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Is Abraham really the father of many nations Are really all those who have faith in Jesus, the sons of Abraham? Are all of us going to be made righteous or only the Jews? We say that Faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before. The circumcision was the seal. We'll get there in Genesis 15. Abraham, he believed God, and God credited that to him as righteousness. His faith is counted as righteousness. See, God has planted the seed. He's called him out and he started going and he looked forward to trust in Christ. And we look back at what Jesus has done and we believe God's promise that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, that's what we believe. We believe that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. This is the gift of God so that no one should boast. The Philippian jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus. So Abram believes God. And then I love this. The next thing God does is God reminds him who he is. God reminds him who he is. He says, Abram believed God and it's counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord. And I'm the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Abram has believed God has been counted to him as righteousness, but then he wants to know again. So he says, oh Lord God, how am I to know I shall possess it? And so then God is going to enter in a covenant with Abraham. Verse 9, he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half and he laid each half over and against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. So here's what happens when two people are entering in a covenant, they would sacrifice these animals, they would cut them and they would lay them in half in a row and they would walk through the animals together and they would seal the covenant, they'd say, if I break this oath of this covenant, may what's happened to these animals as they've been sacrificed, may that happen to me. If I break this covenant, may it cost me my life. And so God's going to enter into covenant with Abram as we're going to read in just a moment. But I thought this was a, a great time when God says, bring me these animals to talk about the language of covenant. And what happens when there's a covenant so that we can see it all in Genesis chapter 15. And actually, one of our administrative assistants, our ministry assistants, Victoria Massey, her grandparents wrote a book on God's covenant with Abraham. And they kind of show in that book this table of the language of covenant and how it's used here. When there's a covenant, there'd be the exchange of a cloak, a promise of provision, possession, exchange of identity. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be your reward. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. Next, there'd be an exchange of weapons, a promise of protection. And here's what you need to know. God says, I will be your shield. Abram's got nothing to give back. This is all the Lord. Abram's got nothing to give to this covenant. It's all the Lord. I'm going to be your shield. Then there would be an exchange of names. Their identities would be joined together. So in chapter 17, Abram is going to become Abraham. Abram, exalted father. God says, no, your name is Abraham, father of many nations. Sarai, his wife, is going to become Sarah. See, a covenant is happening, so there's an exchange of names. Then there's an exchange of blood, the joining of two lives into one. So again, these animals would be cut and they would walk through the blood. We're exchanging my life for yours. If I break this covenant, may I be killed. If you break this covenant, may you be killed. Then next, there would be an exchange of blessings and curses. It should say exchange of blessings and curses. It would speak blessings for faithfulness, curses for unfaithfulness. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses takes the children of Israel and he says, I set before you life and death and here's what will happen. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. Then an exchange of memorial gifts. An exchange of memorial gifts. Again, Abram has nothing to bring, but God says, I'm gonna give you this land. I'm going to give you an heir Through your offspring that I give you, all the nations will be blessed. And I'm going to give you this land as a gift. And then there's an exchange of the covenant meal, which was bread and wine. And Tim took us through that last week where Melchizedek and Abram have this meal of bread and wine. Can you just see the foreshadowing of the bread and wine that will come through the Passover and then will become the body and blood of Jesus as he's nailed to a cross to seal the covenant? See, God says to Abram, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Here's how you can know you take these animals... And you lay them out. And then there's this seemingly odd statement, but it fits within the story. Verse 11, and when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. He drives away these birds of prey. So this happens, they're cut and they're laid out. And by that evening, if they were laying out a long time, right, we're from Texas, we've seen, we've seen vultures fly around, but these are birds of prey that are coming and Abram is driving them away. Now, a few weeks ago, when we were in Egypt with Abram, we talked about this serpent king. Pharaoh had a snake on his head, and he was a a representation as he tried to cut off the offspring when he brought Sarah into his harem, and she would have remained his wife, not given Abram this seed that would become another seed, and then way down the line would become Jesus. The serpent king is trying to crush the seed of the woman. Well, there's not just a serpent on Pharaoh's forehead. There's a bird of prey there as well. And, and God's about to point Abram ahead to Egypt again. Because Abram's driving away the birds of prey and then the sun goes down. Verse 12, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So when the covenant's coming, a dreadful and great darkness comes on Abram. Remember, when Jesus is on the cross, the land turns dark. A great and dreadful darkness fell over the land while Jesus is on the cross. And then God says to Abram, Know for certain. Verse 13. Abram's been wanting to know and God's saying believe. Abram's been wanting to know and God's saying believe. And then God speaks to Abram and he says no for certain. Well, what does he tell him he can? know for certain. What does he tell him? Well, let's, let's just read it know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Can you imagine? Abram's been wanting to know. He's been wanting to know and God says, know for certain this. Your offspring are going to be sojourners in a land that's not their own and they're going to be servants and afflicted for 400 years. And Abram goes, ne- never mind. I don't, I don't have to know. It, it's Okay. No, for certain, they're going to be servants and be afflicted. This is what's going to happen. Joseph is going to go and God's going to prosper. Jacob's son's in Egypt, but then a Pharaoh's going to arise. It doesn't know Joseph and the people are made slaves for 400 years. For 400 years, but I will judge the nation that they serve. God's gonna send plagues on a Pharaoh. He's gonna send Moses the deliverer, plagues on the Pharaoh. He's gonna split the Red Sea so Israel walks through and then he will swallow up the Egyptians. I'm going to judge that nation. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried in a good old age. Well, wait, no, God, you're gonna give me an offspring. This is about me. This is my story, right? I'm the center. See, can you imagine? We want to be in the will of God and be in the will of God and be in the will of God. We want to know what the will of God is. And there are servants of God that over 400 years, they're going to live and die making bricks for an Egyptian pharaoh. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. Even in the hardest of circumstances, You can know the God who is strong and loving. And I think what he's saying to Abram here and what he would say to us is this is not your idea and it's not about your reputation, it's about mine. I will judge the nation and afterward your people will come out with great possessions. You're going to go and sleep with your fathers and then they shall come back here. They're going to come back to this land four generations after I deliver them from Egypt. When the sin of the Amorites is complete, so apparently there's this group of people called the Amorites and they're gonna sin and when God has had enough, when it's done, he knows when it's going to be, then your offspring will possess this land. And here's this reality. There's this God that's strong and loving and what he's saying to Abram, you wanna know something for certain? Know that I'm gonna keep my promise and I'm going to accomplish my purpose. Man, that's really good news. We want a God who's loving, who will put up with fickle people like Abram and us and love us in spite of our sin. And we want a God who's able, a God who's strong. We worship God for his character and his ability. We worship him for who he is and for what he can do. And he says to Abram, I'm going to accomplish my purpose and he knows he's going to. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I'm God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning. See, God knows because he knows what he's going to do. From ancient times, things not yet done. So that means I can risk for the cause of Christ because God is going to accomplish his purpose. He says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I'm gonna do what I set out to do. I'm going to keep my promise to Abram. Now, here's the beautiful good news about that. That means we can risk for the cause of God because he knows the end and he will accomplish his purpose. So that means a young man we just sent to Israel, someone we have that travels to Iraq regularly. If we're ever able to partner with a church in Iran or India or we have people in Indonesia, they can go in faith because God's going to accomplish his purpose and he's the one that sent them out through the local church. What that also means is not just as God drawing people to himself in Israel and Iraq and Iran and in India and in Indonesia. God's drawing people to himself in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and your school, so we can go with boldness and speak the gospel. I was talking with somebody last night who's sharing the gospel in their workplace And there's great confidence there because God is going to accomplish his purpose. He is strong and he is loving. And he has made Abram the father of many nations, those who have faith in Jesus. And he says, there's no other God besides me. So you can know for certain, Abram, I will accomplish my purpose. And then then the ceremony of the covenant takes place verse 17 when the sun had gone down and it was dark behold a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the pieces i don't know about you but this chapter just keeps getting stranger for a 21st century american cuz i've never seen a smoking firepot floating and a flaming torch floating through the air see why does the the torch and the smoking firepot. why do they float through the pieces? Because what normally would happen is in this covenant again, the two, the two people who taking the covenant, they would walk through the animals together. And what happens to these animals ought to happen to me if I break the covenant. But Abram doesn't even have a part. He's asleep. He's asleep. But this flaming torch and smoking firepot, these represent the presence of God. And we know that because they do in other places, something like this in other places in Israel's story. When they're leaving, God says, I will go with you in a a pillar of cloud by day. There's this smoke, this cloud that's gonna protect you from the Egyptians and a pillar of fire by night and it did not depart from before the people. The presence of God is with them and this is the presence of God. The presence of God. And here's the beauty in this. Instead of Abraham saying, if this happens to me, if I break this covenant, I'll die. And God says, if this happens to me, if I break this covenant, I'll die. What God is saying is if either of us break this covenant, may this happen to me. And see, Abram, he's, he's going to break it. He's going to disobey. He already has tried to tell someone his wife is his sister. He's going to do that again with another king. He and Sarah, they're going to doubt and she's going to say, hey, would you you sleep with my slave? My slave and take her son and he can be your heir. And this guy, Ishmael, is going to bring trouble and his descendants are going to bring trouble on the people of God. But God is faithful. He's going to give his people a purpose and a place and a presence. And no matter where the place is. It's really about them being involved in God's purpose and wrapped up in his presence, knowing he's the God who keeps his promise. So what God says is if I don't do what I promise, I will do to myself what happens to these animals. Turn to Hebrews chapter six. And that's just what happens. If God says if either of us breaks this covenant, I'll do to myself. And so God sets Jesus forth. And just like a spotless animal, he is sacrificed because Abram and his children and their children's children and all of us have broken the covenant. And God says, let it happen to me so that this covenant is sealed and so that this covenant is kept. And he sends Jesus. And by his blood on his cross... The covenant is kept, not by us, but by God himself. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise... When people make a covenant, Hebrews says they swear by someone greater than themselves, but God has no one greater to swear by. So he swears by himself and it's impossible for him to lie. He's God, the promise keeper. He's God who keeps his purpose. Verse 19, we have this, Hebrews 6, 19, as a sure and steady... Anchor to our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the veil where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is our high priest. He is the covenant keeper. He's the one who represents us before God. And the covenant is kept. The covenant is kept. And then God says, I'm going to give you this land. Verse 18 of Genesis chapter 15. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, now pay attention to the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. I hope you wrote that down because I'm not saying it again. All this land is going to be yours. And hear me in scripture, the land is a promise and the land is there. But Israel gets in trouble when they just focus on the land. And sometimes when we think about this, and there, we, we get too focused on the land as well. There's actually another land that God is going to point them tr- to. God has made Jew and Gentile one new man in Christ. And there's a land that we are headed toward. It's better than any land on this earth now it's better than Canaan and this is actually the land that Abram was looking for Hebrews 11:9 Hebrews eleven nine. 9. By faith, he went to live in the land of promises in a foreign land. So he went in the land of promises in a foreign land. He lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Why? For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. There's another city. There's another city for people who speak thus make it clear. They are seeking a homeland He's looking for another city, but as it is they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one Therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god. He has prepared for them a city He's not made this promise to abram ultimately so he can have this land But there's this other land. Yes, the promise of this land is here, but there's this other land the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem that will come down. See, we have no lasting city. And often, like Abram would do, we want to know and we want to get caught up in our little kingdom, in our little area. And this might be a great verse over the next year for us to know and trust in and rest in. We have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. See, because Jesus, who Abram was looking forward to, he has gone to prepare a place for us. And in his father's house, there are many, many rooms. And the question is can God be trusted? Is he strong and is he loving? And I think Genesis 15, as well as the rest of Scripture, say God can be trusted. He's going to keep his purpose, he's going to keep his promise. Can God be trusted? And then I would ask, what are you trusting him for? What are you believing him for? Are you believing him for a temporary kingdom? Are you trusting him to be the God who wants to work his purpose on earth through you and through me? What are you trusting him for? And what is the focus of your faith? Is it some external reward that God can bring you? Or do you believe that he, like he was for Abram, is your shield and your exceedingly great reward? The goal is God. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus whom you've sent. So God, may we know you. May we taste and see, God, that you are good and you're a shield to those who take refuge in you. May we know that you're righteous in all your ways and loving toward all you made and that you're near to those who call on you, who call on you in truth. May we know, God, that you're the one who declares the end from the beginning and for all who hope in Jesus, there's everlasting life. And may those in this room who wonder today not wonder anymore that Jesus is the way of salvation and there's a strong and loving God that would call Any who hope in him, his children through the blood and resurrection of this Jesus that God set forth, the promise keeper. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.